right from the moment. Here's where it all started. The history will blow you away. Right from the arts, the symphony, the ballet. There's a lot to fit in. Right from the legend. Are you the legend? Nah, he's the legend. Hey, I'm just marvelous. <laughs> right from the hearts. To be part of Boston's exciting new spirit, just call 1-800-858-0200. It'll cheer right up. Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, it's Nick Vance, Paranormal Futures on social media. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void consider joining our patreon another way you can help if you if you can't contribute like monetarily which you know obviously you don't that's not an obligation to listen to this podcast or anything just you know if you get a chance leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on or a thumbs up if it's on youtube or leave a review you know or just help spread the word because that is just that's another valuable asset that keeps this thing going so you know been what a week two weeks i can't even remember last time i think it's just been a week dude i see you every fucking friday yeah it's it's like fucking it's like groundhog it seems like every uh we we record a podcast every friday and every single friday you're like here's my next batch of screen like i thought you screened once a week dude (laughs) but you're like here's 10 more yeah what is this shit what are we doing here i'm 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 flooding the market okay it's, you know, flooding the block, as they say. Right. But speaking of screenings, we should talk about some ones that just passed. Uh, just did a Nightmare on Elm Street, and you projected it. I did. I did. And it, it was a little bit of a weird show because they were changing out the digital projector at Lost Fields 3 that night, so I had none of the, like, cinematic void pomp and, you know, the pre-show video. Accoutrement, intro- accoutrement. Accoutrement, accoutrement, yeah. Fucking no Winnebago, oh. man. <laughs> And I and like there was a bit that I had worked in like so Deanna Rooney came out and played Old Freddy, which was probably one of the best bits she's done. It was pretty funny for sure. It it fucking killed. And originally the whole bit was that we were going to play uh, one of the TV commercials for the Freddy Hotline, and then I was going to call the Freddy Hotline, and Freddy was going to show up. Except we couldn't do that part, so I had to just like randomly. Like, oh, you guys remember that Freddy thing? And just, like, do it with no context. But the the bit killed, and then we gave away a Freddy glove to and made someone the new Freddy Krueger. So, shout out to the new Freddy. Well, I'm trying to remember what his line was. There was a guy who didn't have a line, had ad-lib, and his, like, Freddy line was like, I like butter. And I, like, I thought that dude was going to win. <laughs> but no. Butter, it's always with the butter. Yeah. Is this why we mentioned butter last time? <laughs> no, I don't remember no. the context at all. No, it, the, the, I, I guess they're just 
we're just on the pulse of people really liking butter. I mean, not to say that butter hasn't ever gone away like <laughs> since like fucking whatever old times where they fucking I don't know. I mean, butter is fucking back, dude. Butter's back. You got fucking you got your dairy butter, you got your non-dairy butter. That... All right, I'm over butter, dude. All right, what's left? <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's turns out it's not back, dude. Right. It's over. Butter butter's fucking over party. We we killed butter. We we brought it up an episode and we like <laughs> just melted it down the next. But yeah, that Elm Street screen was fun. The the one thing, I think we had a Frankenstein print because like when we started real one was a little low and I was like yeah, let's turn it up a little bit. When Real 2 came on, it was, it was fucking loud. There's people putting their fingers in their ears during some of those like sound effects. Hell yeah, dude. It was Freddy. Freddy was in the booth. Freddy was in the booth <laughs> fucking with them sounds. But it was like, old Freddy. <laughs> old, old Freddy. Old Freddy's like, no, gotta crank it to nine. But dude, It was pretty crazy. But like, it was just that one reel, which is something, if you don't know about theater ex- exhibitions, sometimes you get prints that are made out of several different prints because like you know if it was a theatrical release you know reel gets fucked up in one print and then a different reel on a different print gets fucked up so then your the studio like uh, archival print might be like five reels from five different prints struck under five different circumstances so occasionally you'll get wild shit like that and i think that's what was going on with elm street it was not great <laughs> not, not, I was not happy. Yeah, I mean, but you did a flawless job projecting. Oh, thank you. And I know it got a little rough around the the real changes because there's a lot of shit going on during those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Q mark. Yeah, fucking scratches. You had someone add some other Q marks. Sometimes when you're watching for that Q mark to pop up, like some scratch will go flying across the screen, and you like, oh, I gotta like keep my finger off the fucking trigger. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of funny. You gotta have. It's much, very much like a gun. You have to have some trigger discipline. Don't just have your finger on the button, dude, because you'll fucking. Yeah, you don't. You, 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 you want to pop because, like, once you start the start motor thing, you kind of have to go through the next thing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it did a bang up job, and like, I'm definitely afraid of starting the motor and then realizing that wasn't the cue. <laughs> it's like, fuck, dude. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm sure it happens, but like, you know, it. When I was when I was first uh, when I was first training for this stuff. You know, like I, I'm so like anxious about the real change that like I, I would tend to, and it's probably common, but like I would tend to get into position and getting ready like a few minutes too early, you know. And you're like trying not to blink for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, uh, I've gotten used to it where I can like I'm, I'm like, oh, I can go fucking go do this thing across the room real quick and get yeah. that done, and then still be able to rush back over and hit the chain. You know what I mean? Like now I'm like very good at budgeting my time and like feeling confident about it and what I don't know. Anyway, no, but, I I think it's a like a second instinct because yeah. like you know I've never projected mm-hmm. at all. I mean I've been in the booth, I've seen everyone do it, so I I do I don't have a great. I wouldn't say it's like this. I do get a keen sense of when it's coming. Yeah. And it's usually because I start seeing the platter burns. And mm-hmm. when like the yep. end of a reel starts getting more fucked up, I instantly go look for the fucking cue. Yep. Because I'm a dick. And I'm like, are they going to fucking nail it or not? Are they going to miss it? I'm going to nail it, bitch. And you did. Should have did it in the Freddy voice. I'm going to nail this real change, bitch. Or whatever. I, I, I'm not an impressionist, but clearly you are. I can do a few impressions. That, <laughs> that, that Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> oh, that's right. Jimmy Stewart, David Lynch, and Freddy Krueger. It's quite a portfolio. Hell yeah. This I'm, is a trifecta. Yeah. A, a, after um, you know, the the strike clears up, hire me for your voice overwork if you need a Freddy Krueger or David Lynch or Jimmy Stewart. 
there, there it is. Or not. Actually, definitely not. Also, recently screened Teen Witch and got a completely different crowd than used to having at the Void, which is a good thing. Because mm-hmm. up until that point, like, I know a lot of people love Teen Witch, but, like, when I would do introductions and talk about that August lineup, the back-to-school lineup, got no reactions. Like, this don't seem right, because the tickets were selling well the whole time. Mm-hmm. Then, like, when the trailer was playing it, you know, for the back-to-school lineup and the Teen Witch card came up, everyone cheered in the crowd. I was like, there it is. Gotcha. There's some Teen Witch cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Like, during the fucking Top That scene, was like the most uproarious like cheer and applause I've seen in a movie theater in a long time. They're just in the aisle dancing like it's RRR. Didn't get to that point. No. But when the second that that scene was getting ready, someone's like, "Woo, yeah!" Like people were hyped for top that. Some of the people I was watching with, like the one of their notes on Team Witch was like, "This feels like a first draft of a movie." <laughs> and I was like, Robin Menken. Yeah, Robin Menken. Someone's like, "Are you sure she's not going to show up to that?" And I'm like, "No." Because Robin Minkin would have to buy her ticket, and Robin Minkin doesn't buy tickets. And if you want the full Robin Minkin story, well, we're in, we we should probably do an exclusive Patreon episode on that at some point. Robin Minkin, like, kind of e true Hollywood story, but true void true Hollywood story. And I'll read the incident report. <laughs> Again, we'll do an exclusive episode on Robin Minkin at some point the co-writer of Teen Witch. Maybe that's what we need to do with the Patreon. We need we needed some salacious content for the Patreon, you know? Yeah, just like, we should do movie theater stories about the shit we can't talk about on here. Like, public. <laughs> you have to pay us to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're getting paid, us getting fired, kind of like, it, it levels yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. So if you want the salacious dirt on, like weirdo customers and the Robin Mankin incident join a Patreon. The more that you join, we'll do that episode and do a whole bunch more. We will get into the dark arts of yeah, cinema. Like, why do you say that all sexy? <laughs> what are you doing, dude? It's uh, so much more. Like, what so the much. fuck, dude? I don't, know. I don't know where I'm going with. We've, we, we've talked on the, on these last few episodes or we've talked way too much about Robin Mankin more yeah. than, uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty sexy situation, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so so much more. And, and with that one, <laughs> really so much more. <laughs> uh, so enough about Robin Mankin and Teen Witch and us having telling stories that would get us fired. What else have you been up to lately? Oh man, everything and nothing, dude. I don't know. I I've had too much free time on my hands lately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Nothing. Nothing. I got nothing reported, I don't think. Yeah. We went to a show, but we're not going to tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> we went to some shows. I've been at some shows lately. I don't know. I don't like leaving my house. Yeah. Turns out. I, I, I think the only reason we went to this one show is because it was like... There's some homies playing. There's some homies playing. It was relatively close. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the two bands that we watched were sick as hell. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was a good time. Yeah, uh, hung out with Gray from the the Noise podcast, right? From Noise Extra. Yes, cool dude. We hit it off. Yeah, great guy. Started talking movies. Yeah, we we definitely have to do that episode at some point. We were supposed to do it a while ago, but we really need to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely, man. So that's absolutely. Even if we have to, even though they're they're like 
all those folks are just across town. It may just make more sense to do it on fucking Zoom or whatever and just get it over with, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it would be wonderful to have all five of us in a room, but like the logistics of that is just insane. Yeah. You know? I mean, I. We would have to fucking actually just rent a podcast studio to make that work, and it's just too much. <laughs> you know, it's just too insane. Let's it's, just zoom it and make it happen. So, yeah. Shout out to those guys. I'm, I'm excited to talk to them. Yeah. Always, always great to see Mike and Tara and Gray. I guess the only thing else I'll talk about I went to Universal Studios when my girlfriend and her kids were in town. Mm-hmm. Paid to get that early pass to go to Mario World. Nice. Which is the only fucking way that we rode Mario World. Mm-hmm. It got you in the park like an hour earlier. Which is fine, but then nothing's open. It's like, oh, maybe we can get a coffee and have a coffee while we're in line for this fucking Mario Kart ride. So meaning it's just so packed out, you just can't get tickets typically? You can get tickets to the park, but Mario World's its own place, and they have a restaurant there. Like, the restaurant was already reserved for the whole day. Not that we had any plans of eating there, but, like, all Mario World really is that, you know, Mario Kart ride, which I didn't know what it was. It's kind of a game. You're supposed to, like, you're, like, trying to play Mario Kart and shooting shells and shit like that. I didn't know have any context, so I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing? And they make you put on, like, a fucking Mario red hard hat and, like, 3D goggles that clip to it that's in the ride. You have to take them and attach them, and I was like, this is very involved. No one, like, nor, like, if you don't do it early, that ride has, like, a three-hour wait for the rest of the day, like, instantly. Have you ever played Mario Kart? I have. So, yeah. it, it, it is like the game, but mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, it was fun. I'm glad I got to do it, but, like, you know, I wouldn't wait three hours for it. I recently found out that Jim's a secret gamer. Not, like, <laughs> it, like it really surprised me that he was, like, really good at, like, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I didn't know he was, like, a Nintendo guy when he was a, a child. Yeah. That, Which, uh, you've always just seemed, uh, I, I don't say anti-video games, but, like, I don't know. I just never, yeah, I don't, we've never, you know... I had video games when I was a teenager, but, like, you never came over and, like, played fucking Super Nintendo with me or some shit, you know what I mean? Or, I guess, PlayStation 1 was probably around that time, and you're just like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, I mean, to be... To be truthful, like I, I had an NES as a kid, and I loved it. And then I got a Sega Genesis, mostly so I could play Mortal Kombat. And then, like, I kind of just fell out of video games. Yeah. There was a period when I was in college, and, like, you know, Madden was the big game. And, like, I didn't really watch football or anything, but I would play the shit out of Madden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, like, the reason the reason I've known, like, how... I've just never been a big sports guy, but, like, most of the things I know about sports I learned from, like, NHL or fucking... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. any of the... Like, FIFA. Like, I don't fucking... The fuck do I know about soccer? I learned it from a video game. Exactly. It's like, am I going to watch a fucking game? No. Well, will I play it on easy mode and run up the score on some fucking computer? Absolutely. Right. But yeah, like, because uh, we were, it was your Nintendo Switch and you're playing something. And I was, I was just talking about, like, I really love NES and, like, you had Punch Out on there and, like, some of the memory reflex was gone. Like, Hell yeah. The Tiger Ali part where, I, like, I couldn't fucking. Do you remember any of the, do you have, do you remember any of the passwords for, uh, punch out for back in the day like zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three. I think I just remember that just off the dome right now. Um, vaguely, yeah, because uh, like I don't know, I don't know if that's the to get you to Tyson. I can't remember what that code they, is. There, there is a code to get you to Tyson. I never beat Mike Tyson that game. Yeah, like no matter how many times, like I, I think the best I did was like technically a draw, but they still gave it to Mike because he was the champion. Mm-hmm. He's tough. No, he's fucking tough. But like, I got really good at that game. And, like, one of my biggest shames of all time is I never beat the original Super Mario Brothers. Mm. 
Never like I got close, got that last level, never beat it. I remember telling Leslie that, and she's like, "Oh, I used to beat all the time." And she's like, "This fucking Super Mario expert." And I'm just like, <laughs> "I mean, I beat I beat Super Mario two, and I beat three, and then maybe after that is when I like went to Sega and played Sonic. I, I don't know. It Sega Genesis like I kind of liked it, and I didn't like it. I think all my nostalgia for video games is NES. Mm-hmm. So I. I kind of regret, like, a few years ago, I had a chance to get one of those just, like, you know, NES boxes that had a bunch of the games on there. I was like, oh, I was going to get it and didn't end up getting it, so. Dude, I, I bought a, uh, probably, like, five or six years ago, and it's, it, at this point, it, it broke. Like, it just doesn't even work anymore. But I bought one of those fucking emulators. Like, I feel like you can get them off, like, eBay or something. Oh, you can get But them where it's just, like, every... Every like game. it's like a, a thousand Nintendo games. <sighs> like, it was, it was Nintendo, Super Nintendo. It was just fucking everything. And, uh... It was like too many games to play. It was like Atari games. There's was like too many fucking options. Yeah, I, I, there's some. It's kind of like where what streaming thinks it is, or like maybe it's more like music streaming, where you mm-hmm. have access to everything, and once you have access to everything, you're like, I don't want to listen to anything. Facts. Although, like I, you know, there's still plenty of stuff I want to listen to, but I feel like the stuff I listen to is either something new that triggers something nostalgic in me from what I would, you know, go out of my way to listen to, or I don't know shit. I already listened to. <laughs> There's something about being too too spoiled, having it too easy. Yeah, I, it's, it's not. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. It, it's same with. <laughs> well, no, it's the same with like you know when you know we've talked about this on the physical meet the Blu-ray burnout episode. Like you know it used to be harder to collect movies and records and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and just I feel like this when you lose the specialness and everything is just like on sitting there in front of you, like no option looks good because you don't have to fight to get it. I mean, sometimes in like writing music, when I like open up my my DAW and I have Logic or whatever, it's just like I have too many. I, ha- I already have like too many synths, too many guitars, too many whatever. And then there's like a billion plugins and whatever that I have. And eventually, just like it's too much. I have too many, too many sounds that I could potentially work with, and it makes me just like not want to make anything. Yeah, I don't know, the same sort of principle. I don't know. Anyway, it, it runs in that. Um, I yeah. So I guess back on track with the Universal story. So. Rode the Mario Kart line or ride or whatever, got out as like we got done just as the main park actually opened at eight and you could see people running to it, <laughs> like their life dependent on it. And then we throwing, were throwing shells, throwing like red shells at each they other. They might as well have been. <laughs> like there was definitely like I swear some kid was trying to trip someone just to get ahead of them. Respect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even joking. Uh we, we rode that Transformers ride that's based on the one of the 14 Michael Bay Transformers movies. It's a lot of fun. The ride broke down right before we were going to get off it. And the guy was like, well, you might be sitting here for like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. And like, there was like, a, I guess, a well-to-do family that was in the same car as us. It's like, how will we be compensated for this? Hell yeah. Leslie's son, Sean, actually crawled out from under the safety bar. And he was like, I'll just leave. And they started yelling. I was like, get under the bar again. Get under the bar. Hell yeah. So, but we were probably there for like 15 minutes and then they gave us a receipt that we could get, use as a fast pass, but it wasn't for like the big rock. Like you couldn't use it for Simpsons. You couldn't use it for Mario Kart or any of that shit. It was like for pretty much anything else. But yeah, we, you know, this is probably the first time I rode every single ride at Universal and, you know, it was just getting in early and just have being tactical starting the downstairs and then working your way back up. And I want to say that I feel the same way about universal. I do Burger King. It fucking sucks balls. There's, <laughs> there's no rides. There's no <laughs> rides. There's not a fucking ride to be had. There's like a water ride. 
There's no, nothing. There's no roller coasters. Yeah, Build a fucking roller coaster. There's no roller coaster. The mummy. I'm trying to remember what that is. It's Man, the... that's probably just another one. <laughs> it's just some dumbass thing where it takes you through like a cave and like shit's jumping out at you. That's not a roller coaster. It is a roller And there roller... might be a little bit of a drop. There, Give me there... a roller coaster. Make me scared for my life. Well, yeah, Disney the... has good roller coasters compared to fucking Universal. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> the, the mummy is more like a kind of more aggressive version of Space Mountain. You know what, though, the Harry Potter thing that, like, oh, throws you around a room real fast? Yeah. You know? That thing's kind of that thing kind of rocks. Oh, we, we rode that twice because there's someone that ride twice, and there was no line for it. But it's like, I'm getting old. Yeah. And I've just learned that, like, certain, like, herky-jerky stuff, mm-hmm. and then wearing, like, you know, the... I had to close my eyes because I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel fucking nauseous. Yeah. And, you know, they also had that, like, little roller coaster, the Harry Potter one, mm-hmm. that had this long wait, and that's what we end up using the Fast Pass on. Right on. And I was like, we're going to use it for this because this line is not worth this ride. It's the roller coaster that lasts, like, literally 30 seconds. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, because we, when we we rode it at Halloween Horror Nights when we went that one year. But is it, is it like, inside and you're in basically no, no. a dark room? Well, there's two different rides. There's the yeah. inside dark room, which yeah. is the one. That thing, that thing rocks, dude. That thing, I, that I thing. love that ride. I although like some of like I think it's the 3D like screen and then mm-hmm. the moving around is what fucks me up. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's there as I've gotten older, there's certain rides I can't do. If there's a ride that goes straight up and goes straight down, yeah, I'm fucked. Who the fuck is Superman? Yeah, um, there's a ride like that at Hershey Park, right? Like I guess right before I moved out here, my sister and I went to Hershey Park and they had this new roller coaster where it was like literally straight up and just down and then all. We both got done. We're like, yeah, we're going home. <laughs> The, it, I'm probably too fucking old for roller coasters at this point. I haven't I haven't been on one in a while. I'm dude, talking a lot of shit. No, nah, man, I still love roller coasters. I rode the Revolution when I went to Magic Mountain. That shit's so fun. Yeah, I'm it, so scared of heights, dude. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's part maybe part of why I love them so much is like I'm so afraid of heights, and it feels like a controlled situation. I don't know. I mean, I might uh, get my head ripped off. Who knows? That's true. It's yeah. part of the excitement. <laughs> I, the, the, I love roller coasters unless it gets like too much extra but like mm-hmm. i do have a slight fear of heights i don't know if it's real fear but if i'm on a ferris wheel and that shit's going oh, slow nope nope i will get on a ferris wheel and then i will think like oh my god i'm gonna fucking you die you slip right out of that bitch hell no but wow. the worst is I when I don't, like, I don't like ferris wheels dude. It, it reminds me of the fucking like um u.s indianapolis speech that Sh- uh, robert shaw does in jaws where he's like he's just waiting for your turn to get off the ride when like they have to do one at a time for mm-hmm. everyone that gets off fuck yeah that's what that's all I, I always think of that speech it's like when is it my turn to get off this thing yeah as you're like at the top and you just move down a card at a Oof. car at a time yeah universal doesn't have a lot of rise but it was fun would you bungee jump fuck no would you jump out of a plane no nah, i wouldn't either man i would love to i would love to but i cannot it's not even cannot i will not both yeah for sure <laughs> Man, I, I ain't Tom Cruise. No, I would, I would absolutely love to do those things, but I'm just not, I'm not built for it. I've been, I've been insanely afraid of heights, like for my entire life. I, I used to be, I used to be worse. Like I used to not be able to ride roller coasters, yeah. and finally, I think it was going to Hershey Park for many years as a kid, and finally being, you know, riding the Common, and then finally doing the Super Duper Looper, and just like I, I love, I love simple roller coasters. When you get too high tech, I can't fuck with it. Dude, one time I went to I was I went to Hershey Park. This is maybe even a school trip or something, but I feel like 
Brandon Rogers was there, so it wasn't a school trip. Did we just so it was go? like me and Mike Thompson and Brandon Rogers? Maybe you were there, but I don't think so because no, I don't think so. we were just being bad boys, dude. At the end of the, <laughs> at the uh, at the end of the like you know at the end of the museum thing where they give you like all the chocolate and shit, yeah. we ran through the parking lot spitting chocolate all over car windows for no reason, <laughs> you know, for abs for for the because it was really fun. That's why. That's the reason. But fucking dummies, dude, just young and dumb as shit. <laughs> it's it's funny to keep talking Hershey Park because I was talking to Leslie last night. We're like, because I'm gonna be back there in October. And apparently, Hershey Park still open through like October, November, and they have their own like you know Universal like haunted thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe we're gonna do that. I don't some know. Cho- some like bars of chocolate just scaring the shit out of you. Yeah, I mean, you have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking high cholesterol. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. You know. The exploitation of cows to make milk chocolate. Yeah. There's there's lots of horrors you can do there. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, Universal ended up being fun, ridiculous. Um, I still love the Simpsons ride, even though it's not really a ride. Yeah, but it's fun. Didn't get a Duff beer this time. Mm. Should have though, but yeah. I have a season. Pa- I don't know why I have a season pass because I literally go once a year, and I think I use it to get discount Halloween Horror Night tickets. Yeah. So, I mean, you go once, it pays for itself. And I, I've gone twice this year. There you go. So, it's it's paid for. I don't know if I'll get it again. It's it, it's If I have friends or someone's coming into town, I feel like Universal's the easier option to navigate. Because although there's not a lot of rides, you at least have a chance to ride something there. It's the closest. It's the closest. Because, you know, Magic Mountain's a hike. If you go down to Disney, like, you ain't riding shit. Yeah. Unless you're going to pay that extra oh um when they when leslie and her kids were here i went to knott's berry farms for the first time didn't go to the park we went to the water park and i rode a water slide for the first time since like i was like 12 nice and there's video evidence of it and if you <laughs> want it it'll be on the patreon hell yeah <laughs> there we go we got all kinds of teases for patreon you want to see my ass ride a water slide like at high velocity hell yeah dude it, my back was like burning after it <laughs> Uh, you shirt off at the theme park? No, nah, I had a shirt. I didn't. You had the shirt on on the ride? It, pff, man, it, I don't get sunburned, son. Like five minutes. Five minutes? No. Nah. All right. Fine. I mean, it, if you had your back against that slide, even though there's water enough, like there was enough friction that, like, if you were not wearing a shirt, you would be like, get some road rash. But that slide was fast as fuck, but <laughs> fast as fuck, boy. Whew. So yeah, so that's what that's our our recap before we get into this episode, which there we're gonna talk a lot about we're gonna talk a lot of movies this time. We're gonna talk about the main series of Lost Phyllis Three and kind of a programming trade off as well as a couple of Lucy's. So we're gonna take a quick commercial break, but when we return, we're gonna be talking about this is Boston, not LA. On the Cinematic Void Podcast. Good evening. Welcome to Universal Studios, where you learn Hollywood secrets. And now you'll learn the secrets of the six million dollar man and the bionic woman on the Universal Studios tour. Turns a beautiful morning to a wonderful day Things to see, things to do, places to be, there's lots for you Hershey Park Cafe, 
Fishing Park Bread. So many things to see and do. Good times to be had. So many things to see and do, yeah. As Halloween approaches, you have to prepare yourself for what might happen. More orange sprinkles. It's a special time of year, and Dunkin' Donuts is dressing up their donuts for the occasion. And here's the werewolf. So come to Dunkin' Donuts and get into the spirit of Halloween. <gasps> We'd like some Halloween donuts, please. Oh. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about a whole slew of shows coming up in September that's going to be presented by Cinemac Void. But before we get into that, we have to do a rare retraction. Do you want to clarify and correct things? Well, Jim claims, I don't remember this, but Jim claims that I said Burger King. I meant Dunkin' Donuts. And I'd also like to say that the original Burger King chicken sandwich is bomb and that their fries are better than McDonald's. So when you were saying Universal was a garbage theme park, you were also implying that Dunkin' Donuts is a garbage. I did mean rep. Universal when I said Universal. I'm I, I, clear that, with that. Yeah, I hate. I, I'm clear <laughs> that you hate Universal, and it's clear you hate Dunkin' Donuts. When you said, you know, I'm not even big. I'm not big on the Universal monsters. Wow. I'm not big on. But the theme park sucks. Theme park sucks. I mean, I'm okay with <clears> it. It's close, you know. I mean, I think if it had a good had a the Mummy's a good roller coaster, but if it had a great roller coaster, I think that would be the difference. Universal is like the, it's like the Arby's. <laughs> it's, a, it's not quite Roy Rogers. Doesn't have a fry holster. Yeah, like it's not good. It's not even good enough to be like, what is that golden chicken sandwich thing? The Gold Rush chicken oh, the sandwich. Gold Rush. Oh, that would be that would be so sick to have right now. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I'm sorry, Burger King. Fuck you, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, on with the show. Thank you. Yeah, we, we just want that clarification there because, like, I, I when I heard it in the moment, I was like, why? Damn, I didn't know you hated Burger King. But anyway, now that everything is clear, we're going to be talking about September. And we're going to, before we get into the Los Feliz 3 lineup, I'm going to throw out a few Lucy's that are coming up. And the first one is on September 1st. It's down at the Frida Cinema in beautiful Santa Ana. This is part of the bi-monthly, you know, screening series I'm doing down there. It's a film from 1988. It's directed by Chuck Russell, who did Elm Street 3 and The Mask. You know, smoking or... Uh, Damn, really? Yeah, he directed The Mask. Talking about the, the remake of The Blob. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. If it had a body, you could shoot it. If it had a heart, you could kill it. Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. Nobody believes me about what happened tonight. What did happen? You were there. You saw. Plasmic life form that hunts its prey. Predator. I want that organism alive. I think you ticked it off. Ah! Ah! 
Hunter has no shape. The film stars Shawnee Smith, Kevin Dillon, Jeffrey DeMond. For those of you who haven't seen the Blob remake, it's a remake of the movie with Steve McQueen from the 50s. Now all souped up special effects like they were doing in the 80s, like John Carpenter's version of The Thing or David Cronenberg's version of The Fly. This film is, you know, a deadly entity from space crash lands near a small town and begins consuming everyone in its path. Panic ensues and as shady government scientists try to contain the horrific creature. It's a fun monster movie. Got some killer effects. Should play really well down the Frida. Uh, the thing I'm learning about doing these Frida shows is that that crowd is very horror heavy. Mm. When I did Demons, that did pretty good. I did Roadhouse, that didn't do too great. It did okay. But then I think the Blob's going to kind of pick things back up. So I think the Frida might be a little horror focused for next couple shows just as keep building this up the second lucy involves you know a friend of the void actually two friends of the void and traveling to chicago on thursday september 7th uh, uh i'm teaming up with the music box of horrors and our good friend william morris and our friend jeremy wagner from the band broken hope who kind of reached out we talked about this in the last episode but wanted to do a screening and we all got together and we're doing a screening of texas chainsaw massacre 2 Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Chainsaw Massacre 2. The buzz is back. Directed by Toby Hooper. Stars Dennis Hopper, Caroline Williams, who will be there in person. She will be signing and doing a Q&A. Also has Bill Mosley and Jim Seedow, who, you know, was the original chef, gas station guy or whatever from the first film. Reprising his role in the second. So the really interesting sequel is, you know, Canon Film Group produced it. They gave, after Poltergeist, they gave Toby Hooper a fucking... Fat check. I've, I've never, I've never seen this one. Is it, is it sick? It, is it, is it funny? It's a very dark comedy. It's a dark comedy. Okay. And, and the thing is, it's like your mileage will vary. I, I've grown to appreciate this film. I remember first seeing it, and like I didn't know how I felt about it. Like it's like I don't hate it, don't like it. It was, it's a gross. It's like fifteen years after the original. Like I don't know, shit. Like well, let's see. If it was eighty six, eighty six. So it came out twelve years after the original. 12, was really, yeah. yeah. And it it was the last film in Toby Hooper's contract with Canon. Mm. And it was the one they had put the least money in, but it's the one that like did the best. Okay. It was co written by L. M. Kit Carlson, who also wrote Paris, Texas, which is a that's, incredible movie. That's pretty wild. Okay. And the Breathless remake that stars Richard Gere. And he also was a co producer on Bottle Rocket, both the short and the feature. He's a big Texas film guy. So he had Paris, Texas kind of came out mid eighties too, right? Yeah. The, yeah. It's pretty, cl- I, I don't have the date of when Paris, Texas came out, but it's pretty close to like chainsaw Two, And the fact that like you can write Texas chainsaw Two, Texas chainsaw massacre Two, and Paris, Texas together. It's like, yeah, that's some, some 
range. And I mean, they're both Texas movies, so. Cool. And of course, this movie also features. <laughs> they both literally have the word Texas in the name. Yeah. <laughs> so know? it has to be Texas. It's like, <laughs> who do we got that's from Texas that can write us a Texas movie? Tom Savini did the effects, which is, you know, some some of his finest work. I think this movie actually played unrated when it came out. Mm-hmm. And they had the no one under 17 or 18 card and didn't, you know, they didn't bother with MPA for this and just let the gore fly. Cool. So it's going to be really fun to see the audience. Caroline Williams is always a blast to like have it host at a screening. You know, she always gives a really great conversation during Q and a Jeremy's going to do that Q and a, cause we were talking, I was like, you, you know, it's like, do you want to do this Q and a? Cause you know, it's kind of, he's shepherded this event and I love Caroline, but I've done a few Q and A's with her and mm-hmm. I'd rather have him enjoy that moment. And it's going to be a blast. So cool. looking forward to going to Chicago, which also, that next day after a screen, I'm flying to Boston, but I'll talk about that when we get there. So now we're on to our Lost Feelus 3 lineup, and I'll give a little origin. The, the series is called This is Boston, Not L.A., which is, you and I know, is based on a pretty famous punk compilation of Boston-area hardcore bands that came out, what year? Like, early 80s, mid-80s, somewhere in there? Yeah, early 80s. And they had bands like The Freeze, Gangrene, Jerry's Kids. It's it's a really good comp. And how this came about is like, I, I've been, for the last couple of years, I've done January Giallo with the Coolidge and been friendly with Mark Anastasio, Midnight Mark, who, you know, runs their Coolidge After Midnight. And I think he's the director of special programming. I don't think I know. He's the director of special programming there. And we talked about it like, hey, we should do another series together at some point. And he offhand mentions like, well, if you ever want to do it like a, grip of Boston movies, let me know. And I was like, why don't we do a, you know, programming cultural exchange? So he programmed a bunch of Boston movies for Lost Fields 3, and I ended up doing L.A. movies. And I was hoping to have Mark on this episode of the podcast, but the schedule wasn't working out, so we're just kind of going to talk about it. So this is Mark's lineup, and I think it's a really nice, varied lineup on the 4th, which is Labor Day. I'm going to be screening Richard Felsher's the Boston Strangler from 1966. This is the story of the self-confessed Boston Strangler, based on Gerald Frank's startling bestseller. It has been filmed where the actual happenings made shocking headlines around the world. I want you to coordinate the investigations with the Commonwealth. Set up a Strangler Bureau. I'm not even remotely qualified for this kind of thing. You want the stranglings to go on? That's not fair. Preview audiences have acclaimed this a remarkable motion picture. Academy Award stature. For the indelible quality of this film is that the tension, the suspense, the emotion mount when the camera goes beyond the panic-stricken streets of Boston. Beyond the dark corridors of the apartment houses where the strangler silently prowled. Beyond the bedrooms of lonely, fearful women into the forbidden corners of a man's mind and soul. Why did 13 women open their doors willingly to this stranger? The Boston Strangler stars Tony Curtis in a powerful characterization unlike anything he has ever portrayed on the screen. As the suspense builds to an incredible crescendo, you realize that you are involved in one of the most remarkable screen experiences of our time. You will know all there is to know about the Boston Strangler. Why did so many women open their doors willingly? The answers are not what you expected. You haven't seen this movie, but you're obviously familiar with the Boston Strangler. Yes, so, I have not seen it. It's 
it's it's a really interesting kind of like true crime kind of you know movie obviously it stars tony curtis as like albert DeSalvo, who you know the boston strangler and it was came at a time where they like they weren't sure like i don't know if tony curtis could do this because a little you know a little off cast for him but he nails it Richard Flelsher also directed The Vikings, Soylent Green, 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, Mr. Majestic, which is one of my favorite Charles Bronson movies, and, you know, keeping things Void-centric, Amityville 3D. That's a pretty varied career. (laughs) But, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it, basically a series of brutal murders in Boston sparks a seamlessly endless and increasingly complex manhunt. Because I forget how many victims of the Boston Strangler, but it wasn't just Ramp. He went pretty much all around like like i have a book on salem massachusetts where they talk about the one victim that was killed in salem or was from salem so Mm -hmm. he he was getting around uh besides tony curtis it stars um george kennedy henry fonda and sally kellerman who we might have mentioned last episode when we were talking about robert altman Mm -hmm. also no we will be talking about robert altman a little bit later but pin that for rewatch listen for the next movie we're showing in the this is boston not la it's a film this is just by weird coincidence um because william freakin just passed away i guess maybe a week or two after as we're recording this but it's kind of i'd say a deep cut for him because you know everyone when you think freakin you think french connection you think exorcist you think you know sorcerer um, I always think to live and die in LA because that's my favorite freaking movie. And this one's kind of, a comes at an interesting period for him. And I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a unique movie. It's, it's actually kind of fun. It's, um, from 1978. It's the Brinks job. 1949. Every safe in the city of Boston was flush with post-war prosperity. And every cracker in town was looking to peel the right peat. Vinny, did you get downstairs and heat up their fire? The money was easy for anyone with a steady hand and a brain in his head. Mr. Rowdy, let's get the hell out of here! A crime so insane, nobody in their right mind would go in on it. And nobody in their right mind did. I was in the joint. They got cheap locks and 75 watt bulbs. What if they got radar? What's radar? Peter Falk is Tony Pino, a small-time booster with plenty of talent and no luck. Alan Gorwitz is his brother-in-law, Vinny. Jerry Murphy is Sandy. Paul Savino is Jazz, the bookie. Warren Oates is Specky O'Keefe. Kevin O'Connor is Gus, the lookout. And Peter Boyle is Joe, the exchange man. Frankly, no one thinks you'll pull it off. Who's no one? Everyone. Error by error, blunder by blunder, they showed the world just how far a nobody could go. Isn't it a great country? Aren't you glad your father caught the boat? The Brinks job. The American dream come true. The film stars Peter Falk, who's best known for being Columbo, and Peter Boyle, Warren O's, Gina Rowland, and Paul Servino, just to name a few. Really top-notch cast. I mean, that's... That's a murderous row of fucking actors right there. And for those you haven't seen it, this is actually based on a true story, just like the Boston Strangler. I haven't really thought, nah, I don't think the town's based on a real thing, but we'll talk about it when we get there. A fictional retelling of an infamous Boston Brinks Company robbery on January 17, 1950, of $2.7 million, and the cost American taxpayers of $29 million to apprehend the culprits with only, only finding fifty-eight grand of it, which is absolutely insane. 
that it cost more to catch and get the criminals and they didn't even get the money back. Mm-hmm. That's like a lost investment. But yeah, it's kind of a unique movie in Freakin's filmography. And again, it just circumstantially just having to pop up and selling really well. And I think it's just for, you know, it's a freaking movie and people were like excited. This, you know, it's, I mean, freaking people love freak William freaking, but you know, it's kind of nice to show a film that isn't like, you know, the ones that always play. And I didn't mention cruising it because cruising is another really great one, but should be fun. And it's coming from universal studios, a theme park. Nick doesn't like, but a back lot that he's, Oh, enjoys everyone everyone that works there is really nice yeah you just don't like the theme park no just no universal is fine yeah universal is fine unless you get stuck behind the tram but that happens every single time dude <laughs> like there's never been a time that i i mean there's like 30 trams running at all times oh yeah because like it's just never ending from like 8 a.m to yeah. whatever to close well i think they stop the tram right an hour before like the park closes because mm-hmm. that i mean that tour is pretty exhaustive it takes an hour uh, one thing I like about the tour now, when I went a couple months ago, it wasn't open for some reason, but now they take you through the um, Nope-like set. Oh, but, cool. So that's now part of it. I, actually, when I did Horror Nights last year, they had it open. You could, They'd like park the Terror Tram and let you walk through and go to the other side and go through. Uh, it was like us and Nope together in that mm-hmm. like area. But like for the tour now, you actually go through, and that was pretty cool. Cool. That's my plug for the Universal Studios tour. If you do one thing in the theme park, that is the thing that's most worth it. Mm-hmm. outside the really bad Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious section. They have a three... There's a 3D section where they make you do a, like a car chase, like an interactive thing, or, you know, just like how most of the rides you always complain about, they're all 3D. There's a Fast and Furious one, and Vin Diesel's line reading is the worst shit I've ever heard or seen. Like, you know, they have The Rock, they have Tyson, they have, um, I forget who else is in there, and they all, like, you know, it's normal acting. Vin Diesel's like, What's up? Like, it, it sounded like he was just doing a read through of the script and instead of like doing the performance. And he's like, and when it gets done, it's like, he didn't, no one asked you to do another take. You just kind of walked off. It's really fucking weird. It, it bothers me every time I see it. But all right, enough about that. Speaking of action movies, their next Boston movie is a movie. I think you said this is the only movie you've seen in, in this, in this group of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it is directed by Ben Affleck, and it's from 2010, and I think this is actually a really well-done, incredible film, and, of course, talking about the town. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. <laughs> okay. I'm just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. <laughs> Why should we buy you a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. Is your parents still here? My mother moved away and my father... You don't get out much. I'm thinking about making a change. Making a change. Either you got here or you don't. You used to hang around with Doug McCray a little bit, huh? How do you know Dougie? I work for the FBI. I'm putting this whole town in my revenue. You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. Right here, you got sweet new girlfriend. Secret's this one. If I think anything might happen to her, I'm gonna kill both of you. Are you in love with me? 
Yes. She's the one person that can give us defense. She didn't say anything. Get that in your head. This is the not screwing around crew. So find me something that looks like a print, because this not screwing around thing is about to go both ways. I want to go with you. I'm leaving with somebody else. If we get jammed up, we'll have them caught on the street. Whoa, whoa. I just want you to know that you're going to die in federal prison. I'll see you again, this side or the other. Again, directed by Affleck, but I think he was a co-writer. He also stars in, also has Rebecca Hall and John Hamm. And for those of you who haven't seen it, a proficient group of thieves rob a bank and hold Claire, the assistant manager, hostage. Things begin to get complicated when one of the crew members falls in love with Claire. So you get all that drama in there. Ben Affleck, the actor's version of Dunkin' Donuts. I fucking hate Ben Affleck, dude. Do you? <laughs> I do, but I love this movie, and I'm like, oh, I like, I hate that he's a good director. He's a great director. Great, yeah. I I, I, I hate that. You hate and that, that, and that's fine. It, you know, no, I, I, I was blown away by this movie straight up. I saw it very recently and was like completely blown away. Like gone baby gone. Really good. Um, air that came out this year was really good. Yeah. Okay. And like, I, I'm one of those people that don't mind Ben Affleck as an actor. I know a lot of people like kind of shit on him. I mean, it's, there's cultural baggage. I mean, with, I, I joke. I mean, you know, but he does love Dunkin' Donuts, which I know is like the one franchise you despise more yeah, than anything. Right, right, so, yeah. so maybe you're, maybe some of that dislike is the Dunkin' dislike. Yeah, yeah. Just the photo of him, just like with like thirty Dunkin' Donuts drinks in his I mean, arms, and he's just he's he's from Boston. It's ingrained. It's like you know, it's like people really liking Crackle Barrel or Bob Evans or something like that. If that's your regional fucking yeah, that's my, that's me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's regionality. Because, like, we didn't have Dunkin' Donuts for the longest time. We, there might have been, like, a donut place at, like, a mall or something. Like, we didn't have pop-up standalone Dunkin' Donuts until maybe, like, 15 years ago in Maryland, I think. No, yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about California. They didn't have Dunkin' Donuts here. Oh, yeah, They've always had Dunkin' Donuts in fucking Maryland. That's true. Yeah. I, yeah. There's been people nodding out in Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> since since I was a child. No, you're right. Uh, it, yeah, it's only been recent that they got out here. It's it's taken them like fucking 30, 40 years for the expansion. Yeah. Probably enough New Englanders it's came ruining, out. Dunkin' Donuts is ruining California. Eroding <laughs> <laughs> the very... The, the very <laughs> fabric of society. <laughs> Everything's going down. It's like, because it's like, here's your coffee with extra sugar. Yeah. I hope we can withstand this storm tomorrow. And if we don't, if we cannot... Blame Dunkin' Donuts. Well, it's kind of true because, like, you, you know, so <laughs> we're gonna do a side. We're, you know, like when Jim, when you hear a you know from Jim, it's fucking over. It's over. <laughs> we're, we're derailing talking about movies. So we're, as we're recording this, we're on the cusp of a hurricane hitting California. I didn't know. I thought hurricanes couldn't hit on the West Coast. They, well, they say that it won't be a hurricane by the time it gets to us. It'll be a tropical storm. Is it because it started in on the? Um, I thought hurricanes only existed in the Atlantic Ocean, and it was like a typhoon in the mm. Pacific. So, is my understanding that it's like started there and it's crossing like Texas and all that, mm-hmm. and reaching? Is it going across land? Is that I'm how not, it works? I'm not paying that much attention. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sorry. But anyway, we're supposedly hitting a hurricane, and people were freaking out and mass buying and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be rain. Lots and lots of rain. 
Someone someone asked me yesterday, is, what's it like? Is everybody freaking out in California? Dude, I haven't left my house since Thursday. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> talking it's, about? It's, just, it's just a fucking another day. So, it, it's, you think I like went to the store? I mean, I went shopping earlier this week, so I'm fine. You know, I got toilet paper. I got paper towels. I got food. You know, I, I looked at the weather. It's like literally two days of rain. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... I don't think it's going to be like some fucking Roland Emmerich fucking disaster thing. Yeah. I say this now, and then once this podcast comes out... I'm all, I'm all stocked up on TP already. I, I buy in bulk. Yeah. I got Blue Apron on Thursday. I don't need food. I got, I got the TP. I got a Brita filter. You're set. I don't. Yeah. You're set for the apocalypse. I'm, I'm, let's go. Let's go. All right. Bring bring on Armageddon. All right. To close out, as we derailed this, speaking of force winds that could blow you away the last movie oh, this, i did say that i was blown away by yeah. the town that was not intentional oh well well we've set up a good transition despite all this hurricane talk but the last movie that mark picked in this this is boston not la is a film from 1994 directed by stephen hopkins who also did predator 2 elm street 5 Tales from the Crypt and Judgment Night. The the movie that we're cl- or Mark paid to close out is it's actually a really good movie. I haven't watched it in a while. It's um blown away. All right, here's what we've got. We're being bombed. Feds are coming up with zeros. Looks like our boys are mystery man. There's no mystery. His name's Ryan Garrity. According to the report, the guy can build bombs out of biscuit. I've come here to create a new country for you called chaos and a new government called anarchy. All for you. Blown Away stars Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones. It's about an Irish bomber played by Tommy Lee Jones who escapes from prison and targets a member of the Boston Bomb Squad. You know, Jeff Bridges is a kind of cat and mouse kind of movie. Like Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones says some fucking like crazy, like, you know, political like you know that kind of stuff i do want to mention that when we originally had the lineup blown away was the second film in the lineup and we're going to end with the brinks job and then i looked at the date that blown away was going to land on that's that's september monday Hmm. and if you look at the calendar you look what the the second monday is i was like can't do blown away on that day yeah so wisely after years of ill vi or not unintentional like Foo pause because of certain dates of you know, certain movies playing those days. I wisely wisely made the decision not to be in that position and move blown away. So for blown away, I think Mark's actually going to be in town for this. And cool. So he, I've been to the Coolidge a bunch of times, so I'm really happy that he's coming out here and you know hosting the screening and you know good do some LA sightseeing while he's here. Cause I don't think he's been here before. I mean, he might've been in California at some point, but I don't, I, he hasn't been to like the theaters and stuff. So mm-hmm. really stoked for that. Now on the flip side, I'm just going to go really quick. So as Boston or as Mark has programmed the Boston movies here, I did LA movies in Boston and called and called my series. This is LA, not Boston. There wasn't a famous punk comp equivalent to that, but it just made sense to call it that. I mean, could have, What's a famous L.A. punk comp? I can't even think about it. Beach Boulevard. Beach Boulevard. Yeah, it doesn't. None of these are really probably probably the best one. Yeah, it doesn't really fit with the vibe of the movies I picked though. So um, these are going to be the first four Fridays in September. I guess Boston L.A. is a hardcore comp. There's nothing punk about it. Yeah, it's not punk. It's hardcore. It's a hardcore. Yeah, but like, yeah, 
LA's not really LA's too soft for hardcore. Yeah, I, you know, even you know, all, even I mean, all, like you could call the adolescents hardcore. You know, that, that's a good point because like all the hardcore bands, I think, didn't come from LA. They all came from like the mm-hmm. the burbs or like Orange County, like hunting and beach and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like but San- even that is like that's where you get social distortion. And I don't know, it's not a lot of hardcore from LA. Wasted youth, wasted youth. Yeah, it, you know, the it, first suicidal tendencies record. Yeah, I, I actually that's a good point. So you know, Boston has a better pedigree of hardcore. I'm sure Straight someone's up. gonna be like, "How dare you!" People but... are fucking angry in Boston. Yeah, they in are because the they had they had to fucking go to Dunkin' Donuts. Like SSD could not come from fucking LA. No, you know, fucking. Yeah. I mean, e- even the bands that like you know started as hardcore bands eventually evolved to like you know from Deep Wound to like Dinosaur Junior. Like Deep Wound's a mean fucking band. True. Fucking For a bunch s- of fucking children. Yeah, they they're fucking hard. I mean, those kids, Jay and fucking. Fucking Murph, or not Murph, but um, fucking Lou Barlow. Those they were fucking beasts. And three nerdy fucking children making some of the meanest music. And then look at fucking Siege. Siege is probably one of the meanest fucking bands. And it's like you know what, ten songs. True. I don't know. Boston's got a better hardcore pedigree, but anyway, anal the, cunt. What anal, anal cunt? Yeah, anal cunt's got its roots. You know, obviously. There's a lot of problems and problematic things with anal cunt that happened over the years, but like they started out as a hardcore band and then became noisy and then start got forced to write song titles and it just went from there. Yeah, so anyway, I just just flipped and called this is LA, not you know, Boston. And the movies I picked for it, I'm just gonna run with this to live and die in LA. So both Mark and I picked a freaking collateral, directed by Michael Mann, starring Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, which is a really, really fucking great LA crime movie. And if you haven't seen it, like, you should definitely check it out. One thing I always say about it is I feel like Michael Mann made Tom Cruise look like um, William Peterson from Manhunter in it mm. a little bit. Maybe I'm just projecting. He's got a beard? He's got a little bit. He's got a little bit of the stubble beard. Okay. And he's got some, like, white hair. It, you know, look at it. It's like, I before I even saw the movie in the theater originally, that was my first thought. I was like, damn, he made Tom Cruise look like William Peterson and fucking Manhunter. Hmm. But, you know, again, I'm probably projecting that. Also showing um, Paul Schrader's Hardcore starring George C. Scott. And also, because of that, we get our two Peter Boyles. Peter Boyles in The Brinks Job, Peter Boyles in Hardcore. So we get a freaking and a Peter Boyle a piece in this lineup. Hardcore is a fucking amazing movie. I kind of wish I was going to be out there to host that screening. I'm actually, I'll be out there on the, when I'm out there on the 8th, it'll be for collateral. And it just, it made the most sense because I was at Chicago. Chicago is like an hour and a half flight to Boston. So that's why I end up being that way. And then closing out with one of my favorite grimy Hollywood Boulevard movies, which is Angel. Cool. So I'm really happy with this lineup and hope people enjoy both the Boston, not LA and the LA, not Boston lineups across the country. So yeah, that's, that's what's screening in the void this September. So we're going to take one last commercial break, but when we return, it will be read, watch, and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. I found the perfect place to take the whole family, the New England Aquarium. Oh, Daddy, you have great surprises. Oh, yeah, come on, around here, the sharks. Look at you. Mino, look at that. How does that feel, Karen? Hey, look how close they are. What a giant turtle. I can look like a penguin. Look like mirrors. Hey, Mom, the dolphin shark. The New England Aquarium, where families get together. Every classic stage has its great players, and Fenway Park has had its share of the best. Jimmy Fox, Ted Williams, 
begins, and the Red Sox tradition at Fenway Park continues. Head to Fenway Park to see the Red Sox this season. Visit the Red Sox ticket office at 4 Yaki Way or charge tickets by calling 267-1700. Red Sox baseball, a Boston tradition. Dunkin' Donuts is proud to announce we've created a monster. Introducing these hauntingly delicious minis for Halloween. Minis are a fraction the size of our regular donuts with a taste so great they'll attract very interesting guests to your Halloween parties. More sprinkles! Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we recorded a podcast... All right, Nick, what have you been reading, watching, and or listening to? Nothing. Just nothing. Just absolutely nothing. Uh, I've just been sitting, just staring at my walls, not doing anything. I don't know. I, uh, I just, I've been reading, uh, I've been reading Nameless by uh, uh, Grant Morrison. Which I've read it before, uh, but I just started, I, I just jumped back into it. It's like six issues. It's like a more short, you know, I guess Grant Morrison's done like, a bunch of Batman stuff and like whatever. I don't know. I don't care about like, you know, I, I'm not a comic book guy like that. Like that shit sucks, dude. Superheroes suck, dude. <laughs> Fucking, I don't even mean like Marvel movies and all that shit, even though I do mean those things. Like yeah. I also despise those things, but yeah, just, just comic book, like superhero bullshit just never appealed to me. Uh, you know, I like the more, the more literary dignified comic books like this one where, you know, there's just, it's just like comic cosmic horror in outer space, fucking craziness, you know, it's very, uh, it's very like Lovecraftian or something. It's kind of Grant Morrison's, uh, Lovecraft story. Um, yeah, he's sick. He did, you know, he did the invisibles and he did another favorite of mine of his is called the filth, which is kind of like a more compact version of like the invisibles is like really fucking long and really involved. But I, I think the filth is like a more concise just like very short version of it. I don't know. I really recommend that one. Um, Graham Morrison's awesome. He, uh, he's very into like the occult and just like a really interesting guy. And so when he was doing the invisibles, he had this character in the invisibles that like, he was kind of like the one that he like identified with. And like, by the, by the time he's like halfway through writing that book, he had kind of became that guy. <laughs> like he was that guy riding around in a, like a crazy expensive, like convertible car with like a bunch of babes. Just like he'd become like the character in the fucking book, which is kind of, it's just super weird and kind of cool. You know? I mean, if he's deep in the cold, he was doing some manifesting. Yeah, he's like of... fucking jerking off to some sigils or something. Like, he's doing some shit. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> you know? following that Crowley way. Yeah, man. Um, I was going to say... He, you, he's sick. I was going to say, you're very into the Vertigo sect of like yeah, the... Yeah, 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 totally. I don't even think Vertigo exists anymore. I think... I think since, uh, I don't even know, man. I, don't I, think, even know. I, I think they might have merged everything together, which kind of sucks because I feel like Vert... You know, as moving from like children's comic books or like ones that are marketed more to kids to like the more adult stuff it was always the vertigo stuff because like that shit always looked great but it wasn't even that i was like necessarily attracted to vertigo i'm just like attracted to certain types of like dark stories you know and just they just all happen to be you know like i didn't really get into that stuff until after you know i didn't get into sandman when it was like going on you know i mean so like i kind of caught up caught up with all this stuff after and just all the ones that appeal to me in that way just do happen to be vertigo titles a lot of the time 
I mean, for a Sandman, I probably call it like when I was old enough, like you had to be 18 and get them at your comic book store. Mm-hmm. I think I maybe got to like the last year of the Sandman run or something like that. Yeah. Maybe last two years or something like that. And there was also Preacher and stuff like that. And that was kind of like when those things stopped, that was then in my like kind of comic book collecting. Mm-hmm. And I I know I mentioned earlier this year I sold my comic book collection. So all those Preachers yep. and all those Sandmans. A comic book shop. I forget the name of the shop, but it's across the street from the Senator Theater in Baltimore. So if you want, yeah, to, yeah. My, want to get my comic books, they're all there. Very cool. Watch-wise, I haven't watched a lot lately, but the things that I have watched, I made a count. Dude, I just watched Three Women. It's an absolutely incredible movie. I, I love 70s Altman, but I'm going to let you talk about this because this was your first time I watching. I mean, fuck, dude. I'm obsessed with it. Like, it's all I've thought about. Like, I maybe watched a week ago, and it's like, really it's it's all i've thought about and i i uh i rented it and you know it was just like digital rental so it was like 24 hours or whatever the fuck it is you know and i tr- i i really wanted to watch it twice like in that span and i just didn't i just wasn't able to get the other watch in uh so now i'm patiently waiting for this fucking blu-ray to arrive in my house and i can't wait to see it again i don't know man yeah it's uh I, of the altman that i have seen like this is just so different and like mm-hmm. i just didn't expect any of it and it took me a little while to like kind of uh like dial into the fucking vibe, you know? Like it like I was kind of bored at first or something. Like and just like what is even what is all this? It kind of you know? like it un- it kind of catches you off guard and mm-hmm. you just start like getting sucked into this world yeah. and like all that stuff. Once I, I synced up with it, it was just like I was I was in it. I it, was in it, dude. I mean Personally, I love 70s Altman. There's this, there's Nashville, there's images mm-hmm. like Brewster McCloud, even though Brewster McCloud's kind of like the weird one of what I've just said. But this one makes me feel like I have to go back and rewatch. Like, I thought images was just okay. Re- rewatch images. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, it, in a way, three women in images makes for a good double feature. Okay. Although I'd say images is probably more overtly darker. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, images is coming out of the same, like, you know persona repulsion box and three women comes out of that too but mm-hmm. maybe not as you know something that it made me think of uh it definitely made me think of Mulholland Driver it made me feel like I understood Mulholland Drive a little more or like where it was kind of coming from maybe what David Lynch's influences yeah. were at the time yeah because there's definitely some Doppler gangering and like you know mm-hmm character switch but like all that comes from persona you haven't seen persona yet i haven't seen persona so So we we've been talking about doing our october lineup of things and i think like we have one planned out but i think we're going to pivot and do some art house 60s kind of horror horror jason snow so i think we're going to do persona hell yeah very stoked and i I also think you know might not be it might be a little outside of the void spectrum from some of you but we're definitely been talking about doing some robert altman because we've been talking about doing nashville because mm-hmm. of the music and intersection all that but i think we'll i think we might do we'll definitely do nashville and maybe do three women at some point yeah, hell yeah man excited for those things um and then listen uh i've been listening to and i've probably i probably even mentioned this like back when it came out but i've been back on just listening to the best uh expert in a dying field like that record is so fucking good man there's just oh there's songs in there that i just want to listen to over and over and over like i love that band so much been listening to that and then i've been listening to the uh i've just been on a radiohead kick lately and that's brought me back to the uh just the suspiria uh the newer version just the soundtrack to that um and there's like a there's like the version that originally came out and then there's like another uh there's another version with like extra tracks that I think maybe some of it wasn't on like in the film, just like more like an expanded version of mm-hmm. the soundtrack. So there's like it's just tons of stuff. And then there's even just like weird um 
just weird like radiohead stuff that's on streaming now that's just like weird the kind of b-sides and stuff so i've been like just like kid am kid a and amnesia era stuff so i've been on a big radiohead tom you're a kick lately there's and then the um like last day or two on twitter i keep seeing videos pop up of like when radiohead played snl in early 2000s and it's them playing um oh what the fuck the national anthem song mm-hmm. you know and like like they like Johnny Greenwood's got like a crazy like modular synth setup on stage. It's just like I don't know, you know. There's just not too many people that can pull that shit off live and like have that shit all patched in. And uh, those guys can, man. Those guys are fucking like you know. Radiohead is one of those things where it's just like it's kind of baffling how they got as popular as they did. Like not thinking about something like Creep, you know, yeah. like when they were like they still like maintained this crazy level of popularity through like being one of the most experimental bands of all time. Like, for a mainstream fucking group, it's crazy that Radiohead has been able to, like, maintain this level of respect and, and probably sales, I'm assuming, you know? But uh, I don't know, man. It's like, I don't, I don't know if it's even cool to to profess your love for Radiohead, but, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Radiohead head. My bad. I mean, that that's fine. I, I feel like you're right, because, like, I feel like Creep for another band would have been the one-hit wonder that ended them. Mm-hmm. Like, that they would just play a festival and they would always close with creep i mean i'm sure they at this point they very much despise that song i don't i think it's just never going to be added to the set ever again but then you know i think they can get away with that they can and 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 put a just put up a middle finger and be like no we're not you know we're not going to fucking play smells like teen spirit i mean you know i because you also gotta think they had karma police which wasn't quite the same yeah but like i think because that song happened and it was like had one of those weird buzz bin fucking music mm-hmm. videos. It it kind of helped them. It was probably really big in the UK, but like yeah. I, but I mean, was that even really that? It was big. It, play, here, it, was it? it played MTV nonstop. Yeah, I remember seeing that music video all the time. Um, the only thing I could you know think of the equivalent to is song number two by Blur, mm-hmm. like yeah. that and Creep. Like, but then like Blur was ever able to kind of pivot out of that song too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like you know, they had a bunch of other like hits. I mean, maybe not as biggest hits is that song but they also did gorilla or the one dude from yeah. gorilla so like i think it's just if you're british you can get out of your fucking too big of a number one hit yeah and pivot and do weird shit and people would love you even more yeah like really it's just like people love blur and radiohead love those fucking bands like beyond and like i i you know i'm fans of both of them yeah i don't know where i'm getting at with this but i'm just saying like I, um, one thing I was going to ask you is like, have you ever listened to any of those Tommy York solo records? Actually, no. Check them out. I I haven't listened to them probably like God fucking ten years or so, but mm-hmm. they're they're actually pretty good and they're really interesting. Are they also more like just weirdo electronic? They, they're all electronic. Yeah, they're yeah. all electronic shit. So. Sick. Hell yeah. I think he's like. Yeah, I, I think dude just like heard Aphex Twin or whatever you know, and just like they just went off on their own fucking tangent. Like, I mean, they've been they've been making weird, weird electronic music a lot longer than they ever made like rate, you know, guitar based, just like yeah. rock music, you know, I don't know. Fucking shit rules. It does. I can't believe I just went on a fucking Radiohead tangent, but yeah. Uh, what the fuck else? I don't know. I've been listening to, uh, much, much to my chagrin. I checked out the, uh, Travis Scott utopia record. People were making a big deal out of it. It came out the same day as something else that I was just like, Oh, that's fucking way cooler. But, uh, no, I mean, Travis Scott, another one, another type situation where I think it's a little too weird for the amount of popular that it is. Right. Like it's, it's, I mean, Travis Scott is like, dude, he's 
what what was he like playing at the fucking Egyptian pyramids or some shit? Like yeah. I think maybe that got that got canceled, but I don't I don't know, man. Like he was a weird level of popular that like it's kind of hard to comprehend. You know, like what it's Illuminati. No, I'm kidding. I mean but... fucking I, I don't I can't quite understand why it's as big as it is, but I think that, that Utopia is kind of an interesting record and the shit the song with West Side Gone is awesome. Yeah, it, I I think sometimes like when in the it's always weird when something that's like in the consider like the the world of pop music kind of mm-hmm. like just from based on listening to other musicians and bands that aren't really like top forty shit. Yeah, and you hear something in there like, yo, how's that fucking big? Actually, I, I you know I I will say though, sorry to oh, jump go, in, but go. like, uh, dude, sicko mode. That's why. I mean, yeah. that's why Travis Scott is as big as he is now. But again, how do you maintain that? I mean, dude, I'm sorry, that song is so fucking good. <laughs> like, sicko mode is so good. It's crazy. I mean, it's playing fucking targets and gas stations all over the fucking I mean world. it definitely was playing in every 711 I walked into for like 3 years straight. I mean it <laughs> in a way sicko mode is kind of like creep or maybe song number 2, yeah. you know, the Travis Scott. Kind of is, man, except for the fact that like culture moves so fast these days that like something like that would be a big hit and then it's forgotten 6 months later and when you hear it somewhere and someone goes, that's fucking old. Yeah, but I, I I don't weird. I don't think people consider it old i think it's just like i think that song that, that's a throwback yeah man yeah i guess probably <laughs> maybe in those terms but i don't know but like it i i think it i think he's doing interesting things and like maybe like that's the thing you come out really mainstream and you know how to experiment i think that's what radiohead really did is that they got weirder but it wasn't like they didn't do what a lot of bands do that put out like you know I'm going to use this example. The Weezer Blue Album, the Pinkerton. I think Pinkerton's way better than Blue. Well, I, I don't. I think they're both good in different ways. Mm-hmm. But you make a, like, aesthetic jump that your audience can't go along with. Yeah. Whereas where I think Travis Scott and even Radiohead, as they made changes, they might not, like, I think, you know, I more for Radiohead. I think, you know, they had Creep, which is this huge fucking song that, like, could have been, like, their teen spirit and kind of, you know, cause problems down the line. They just kind of like, well, we're never going to top it. So why don't we just cash in the, on the goodwill of that song and just, you know, progressively get different. Yeah. And I think in a way, Travis Scott probably took sicko mode and it's like, I'm probably not going to top this song. So maybe I should just progressively try something different. Human sacrifice. Yeah. Illuminati. All right. This segment has been brought to you by the Illuminati. Um, I don't know, man. That's it for me. All right. For me, read. I just wrote down ha 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 because I've clearly not read anything. Uh, watch. I rewatched Trees Lounge, which is written, directed, and stars Steve Buscemi. First time I saw this movie was I was in film school. I can't remember what class. It was either editing class or it was like a filmmaking like 101 or something because we watched the opening and just like how the the movie set the tone. It's about tone setting or whatever. And because like Trees Lounge is about, you know, Buscemi's character like hangs out at a bar and he's like, oh, I'll quit drinking someday. And it's just like, you know, it's a it's a, your 90s indie film with about people that have drinking problems and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's it still holds up. It's pretty good. And it also has a song by the, the artist Hayden, folk artist from Canada, which I didn't when I saw the movies before I really knew who Hayden was. But then I realized the connection. That's kind of cool. And I think him and Steve Buscemi are still friends because there was a. More recent Hayden album that came out and had a music video and Steve Buscemi was in it. So Oh, that's sick. So that's I I don't know. I think that's cool. Especially because there's like what twenty 
30 years in between mm-hmm. Trees Lounge and the New Hayden song. Uh, also, I rewatched the Devonsville Terror. And it, I can't really say it's a rewatch because I couldn't remember shit about it because it's been so long. Did this as a virtual date night with my girlfriend, Leslie. Uh, we just kind of wanted to pick something that was like, you know, not too involved. <laughs> yeah. Just so to speak. Um, it's directed by Uli Lummel, who um, did uh, The Tenderness of Wolves. Mm-hmm. German filmmaker started out as a Fassbender disciple, and then he made like genre stuff like The Boogeyman and this. Oh, okay. um, it's basically kind of a riff on the Salem Witch Trials about a town where they, you know, burn and kill witches, and then like years later, three women show up that may or may not be witches kind of thing. has Donald Pleasance in it, and one thing I noticed, like, I bet you he never leaves this room. There's like four scenes with Donald Pleasance. Never leaves that room. Mm-hmm. Never changes his outfit. Definitely pulls some worms out of his arm. But it was just like, oh, they shot all of his shit in a day. It's kind of brilliant. Nice. And like, he's really good in it for, you know, being in one set and never leaving and then flying out the next day. Um, there, for 84-minute movie or whatever it was, there's some slow spots. But when you get to the end and you get to the payoff, incredible. Nice. There are some great fucking effects. Also, in the beginning, there's a scene where they put a witch on a wheel and set her on fire. So it's obviously a dummy on a wheel rolling down a hill on fire. Oh, that's sick. So has a great opening, great ending. A little meandering in the middle, but, you know, that's a lot of horror movies. Uh, listen, this is a thing that you introduced me to, or we heard when we were off getting lunch sometime during work, and you played, and I had just, like, I was like, I got to check this out. The band Ultralight. Enjoy Your Time in the Sun is the album. They're from Philly. I think they say they're new alt-rock is what they're calling it. <laughs> God damn. That fucking record is... That record's amazing. Yeah, like, that's all I can say. It's like, it's, it's been on repeat. So many good songs. And, like, I haven't been able to really place what it reminds me of. Because it reminds me of so many different things in different moments. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like it, it all feels uniform. Yeah, it really, it really does. They have like their own sound that is definitely just like, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it, it's just alternate rock. Yeah. I, I also have a hard time placing it. It's just, there's like, there's moments like, well, that kind of reminds me of like a brand new, ah, that reminds me of something, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I've heard all kinds of shit in this and it's like, it's done in a way where it's like not obvious. Yeah. And I kind of appreciate someone's putting out a rock. It's well produced. I, I actually mm-hmm. went and looked up some info about them. And it's like a produced by like a Grammy award winning, like producer. Oh no shit. So they're, they're pushing on it. Like, I don't know. Record's great. I did watch the music video for, um, tears for two or whatever. Okay. And I don't know if I watched any music videos. I did. I did look and see, and there's no vinyl on this yet. So somebody fucking get on that. I shit. think they self-released this. I think it's just. Yeah, someone needs to put out vinyl for it. Yeah, I, maybe one of the song. One of the songs. I forget which one on the record. There's a. Oh, there, it's, there's a seven inch for it. So there, there's that. But again, no one's done vinyl for this. Yeah, they need a full length LP. Like, yeah, I will break my physical media embargo and get this on vinyl. Yeah, because it's it's fucking it's it's up there for album of the year for me. And hell yeah. Uh, other things I listened to, listen to world peace. It was, it is written, um, kind of a power. Would you say power violence, hardcore band? Yeah. Uh, no guitar, two bass players, drummer and vocalist. Sick as shit. Heavy, mean, ugly. You know what I would, what I want out of a power violence band. Mm-hmm. Uh, also been listening to the band scalp and their two releases, endless extremity, which is the old album and black tar, which is the record that came out this year. Again, kind of ugly, hardcore. Mm hmm. Like a lot of hardcore stuff is, I guess it's or it gets lumped into hardcore is like pulling from other genres and stuff. And this is definitely coming out of like, I don't want to say power violence, but like you know, 
maybe the more metal end of the spectrum, but mm-hmm. not really metal. Just some ugly hardcore. Okay. Um, Koyo um, put out a cover of Jawbreakers, Do You Still Hate Me? Which is good. That's all I can say. But I, I don't dislike it or hate it or whatever. It's like, is it a necessary cover? Yeah. No. Did it improve upon anything? No. Is it just good? Yeah. So, yeah. just a good cover. I, uh, yeah, I don't go back to Jawbreaker much these days, but I, I think 24-Hour Revenge Therapy is probably still my favorite. Like, like I like Dear You because it's darker, but 24-Hour Revenge Therapy, Do You Still Hate Me? Like, that's a fucking, that's a truly a great song. I, I feel like... It, you know, I don't think about it, and I think of individual Jawbreaker songs here and there, but I feel like if I, you know, if I listen to the right song, I would be on a Jawbreaker kick for a, a yeah. while. Yeah, Like, I, I know I'd listen to Bivioc, like, maybe, I don't know how many episodes ago, but I put it on when I was going to sleep, and that was always my comfort sleep album, and I don't know why. It's not mm. because it's boring, it's just, like, there's something in the texture, the sound of it that just, like, because yeah. I used to put it on repeat and listen to it and go to bed, like, back in high school, whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Jawbreaker can sound like a different thing, a lot of different things, but you know they can be poppier, they can be darker, they can be more angular. Or, you know, is it like is it like a do you have like a Pavlovian response when you when that record comes on? Do you just fucking fall asleep now? No, it, <laughs> it, it's one of those things. I'm not. I can close my. Eye, I, I just feel relaxed and I feel like I'm on a journey. Yeah, and it 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 probably doesn't help me sleep. It reminds me of like when I just like one of the just like it. it there's something in that record that just like, you know, yeah, there's something about that tone that, yeah, it's very, um, it, like, I don't, I don't even really mean this in like a negative way, but there's something very monotone about that record in particular. Like, there yeah. aren't a lot of dynamics to it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it just kind of lulls you. It lulls me in like, but like I, it's not that I fall asleep because I listened to the album in its entirety, but like, I felt, mm-hmm. I felt. I felt like I had slept. I, I can't think of anything in particular. I can't think of the particular record right now, but there were definitely a few things in my life, like something like, you know, Loveless or something. It's just like, you could easily just like put that on and fucking go to sleep. And, and it's not because it's boring, but there's just yeah. something sonically in yeah. there that's like, but, it, but I'm also saying that there, there are records that I've, I did that to enough times that now when I hear it, it just makes me fucking tired. <laughs> Yeah. It's just like a weird, it's something like primal. I, I, like, I think it's just music by association yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, And I I got one more listen here. It's a new song by Harm's Way that has a record coming out. It's called Devour. Pretty sick. Yeah. So they're they're actually touring with like Fleshwater and like cool. I think a Baltimore band called Jive Bomb and there's someone else. Or, mm-hmm. um, I, I actually will be in Baltimore when they're playing and it's like, eh. But I'm probably not going to do it. I've already seen Quicksand while I'm there, so yeah, yeah. Don't don't want to do like eight million shows while I'm on vacation. That's a lot of standing. Yeah. Even though the hardcore show or bands that are hardcore adjacent playing a big venue would only be like twenty minute, thirty set minute sets at least. But I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But definitely seen Quicksand. But that wraps up this episode of the Cinematic Void Podcast. You know. Why don't you hop on those socials and tell you what you, tell us what you think about those lineups, be it if you're in Boston seeing L.A. not Boston, or if you're in L.A. seeing Boston not L.A., or if you're in Chicago, if you're excited for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with Caroline Williams in person, or if you're going to be down at the Frida for the Blob. You know, just tell us what you think. Uh, coming up on the podcast, we're going to be starting our film programmer series coming up. The first episode will be with our good friend William Morris. It's going to drop when... I'm in Chicago and then going to do a couple of those episodes. Then we'll be back for our October season of horror and Halloween centric things. 
you know, the, the cursed word, curse words I will not use because Nick hates them. We're getting spooky, y'all. Yeah, getting spooky. But until next time, see, see you in the void.